InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Why is it, despite our best intentions, most of us tend to reach for another piece of that double cheese pizza or order just one more cocktail or even try one more roll of the dice at the casino? Our next guest says, it's all in the mind. He's David J. Linden, professor of neuroscience at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine and author of The Compass of Pleasure. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Your book explains that we all have centers in our brain that respond to pleasurable sensations. In fact, you titled the first chapter of your book, Mashing the Pleasure Button. Tell us more about this function that we have. Well, it turns out that there is a anatomically and chemically defined place in our brain that we call the medial forebrain pleasure circuit. And medial just means it's in the middle of your brain, and the forebrain just means it's in the front part of your brain. And these are a group of interconnected regions in the brain that rely upon the neurotransmitter dopamine. And this is an evolutionarily ancient structure that we share with lots of other critters. And it evolved so that stimuli that we need for perpetuating the species, things like eating and drinking water and having sex, would be rewarding or pleasurable. That's how they originally evolved, but of course what's happened is that we've, as clever humans, have discovered ways to short-circuit this pleasure circuitry. So we never evolved to take heroin or alcohol or nicotine or cocaine, but all of these drugs can artificially activate these brain structures and give us a pleasure buzz that has nothing to do with getting our genes into the next generation. Do different sources of pleasure, such as drugs, have a different effect than, say, eating food? In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Different drugs are different, right? So there are some drugs that are fairly subtle and give a rather brief, rather small pleasure rush, like a single puff on a cigarette, and some that give a rather massive pleasure rush, like an injection of heroin. And while there is a qualitative difference between an injection of heroin and, say, a piece of delicious food or a sexual orgasm, the areas of the brain that are activated to feel the pleasure are the same in all of these cases. It's just a matter of degree. Now, you say in your book that memory and some of the other complexities of human beings play into all this, and you quote a woman as saying, I never met a man who excited me as much as a baked potato with sour cream, which is a great line. But how do memories of pleasure or anticipations of pleasure play into this? They do, don't they? Well, they play into it enormously, and they play in several complicated ways. And I think anyone who has ever had a drink of alcohol or indulged in any drugs or cannabis knows that you develop very strong associations between the things that are going on while you have the strong pleasure stimuli and the stimuli itself. A rat can get pleasure from eating food or having sex, and so can we. But when our pleasure centers are interconnected with all these higher cognition centers, and when those interconnections can be modified by experience, there is this miracle which means that we can take pleasure from things that are utterly arbitrary, that have no survival or evolutionary value 
whatsoever, things like curling or, or reality TV. So what this means is where that rat can get its pleasure from having sex or eating food, and so can we. Only a human can get pleasure from fasting or abstaining from sex because they hold a set of particular cultural beliefs that have gotten linked into their pleasure circuit. We're talking with David J. Linden, author of The Compass of Pleasure, and we're talking about how our brain affects our desire for certain pleasurable things and all of the ramifications of that. David, stress sometimes causes us to get into compulsive pleasure-seeking behaviors. What's that all about? Well, anyone who is a recovering addict or who works with a recovering addict or knows a recovering addict knows that relapse doesn't happen randomly, that relapses into, say, drug-taking or gambling behavior most often happen under stressful conditions. What's interesting is that we now know the biology of this. So under stress, your adrenal glands, which sit on top of your kidneys, secrete stress hormones, and those stress hormones pass through the bloodstream and they pass into your brain and they bind receptors on nerve cells that are located in your pleasure circuit and set in motion a series of biochemical and electrical changes that trigger craving. If you're an addict trying to stay clean, one of the best things that you can do is to adopt behaviors that reduce your stress. Get a dog and spend time with your dog. Meditate pray, exercise, all these stress-reducing things are very good to help prevent relapse. It also means that there is an opening for developing new drug therapies to help people stay clean. So you could imagine that chemicals that interfere with signaling from these stress hormones might potentially be a kind of therapy that would help recovering addicts stay clean. And this is an active area of endeavor by drug companies right now. David, what is it about non-physical pleasures, such as somebody who gets hooked on slot machines or video games? What is going on with us when that type of an addiction develops? Well, there's a couple of interesting things that are going on. The bottom line is that the pleasure circuit that is activated by heroin or orgasm or food is also being activated to a somewhat less degree when people play a slot machine or play a video game. In the case of the slot machine, there's something really interesting going on. If you image people's brains while they are playing a slot machine, what they find is that people are getting the pleasure buzz. They're activating the pleasure circuit, not just when there's a payoff and they win in the slot machine, but while the reels are spinning. In other words, it seems as if our brains are genetically hardwired to catch a buzz from things that are not certain. We like probabilistic situations. We like risk. We're hardwired to gamble. The other thing that we really like is we like feeling uh, a sense of agency. That is to say, a sense that we are controlling things. And what people find is that people not only get more pleasure out of gambling, but have higher brain activation of the pleasure circuits during gambling if they personally are pulling the handle on the slot machine or if they personally are picking the number for the lottery ticket. Even though these things are utterly random and they have no control over the outcome, it's sort of fooling us into the sense that we do. And that makes us like to gamble even more. Interesting. 
In a, the chapter you title Virtuous Pleasures, you talk about some things that are good for us that people get hooked on, such as uh, running. Talk about that a little bit. It turns out that not just what we call our vices activate the pleasure circuit, but a whole range of virtuous or pro-social behaviors, things as diverse as learning, giving to charity, meditation, and exercise. Now, exercise is a particularly interesting case. All kinds of mammals get a pleasure buzz from exercise. So if you take a rat or a mouse and you put it in a cage, and it has a situation where it's got to press a lever a hundred times, and then at the end of that pressing that lever, it doesn't get a pellet of food or a shot of cocaine in its brain. Instead, it opens a door that lets it go into a different cage where it has a wheel in it that it can run on. Well, it turns out that the same way that a rat will press a lever a hundred times for cocaine or food, it'll also press that lever a hundred times to get access to a running wheel. So animals will work for access to exercise. Exercise seems to activate biochemical systems that impact upon the pleasure circuit, including one called the endocannabinoid system. And this is exactly what it sounds like. These are molecules in your body that are sort of your body's own natural marijuana-like euphoric chemical signals. It's fascinating stuff. The Compass of Pleasure, David J. Linden is the author. And you can check out his website, compassofpleasure.org.org. David, thanks so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.